While often overlooked as a leadership and personal development tool, our mind holds the key to how we see the world. With a myriad of troubles and challenges that we will face as physicians, a strong mind is imperative to our success. Similarly to the basis of cognitive behavioral therapy, we believe the mind is something that can be trained and adapted, and this in turn will have an effect on our health and our happiness. By adopting a growth mindset, we believe that it will be able to move the needle both for our personal development and ultimately our ability to lead others. Welcome to Leading the Rounds. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Leading the Rounds. I'm your host, Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Caleb. Today, we'll be talking about a growth mindset, uh, how you can use it, how you can adopt it, and why it's important for your development as a leader and as a burgeoning physician. So let's just get right into it. Caleb, what is a growth mindset, and why does it matter? Yeah, so many times in society, we value those with innate talent or those we feel like who have innate talent. You know, the Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. We believe these people have special gifts that they were given by birth, their genetics, and we think that we can never be as good as them and we will never be able to uh, reach the status that they have. But what we fail to recognize many times is how rare this is. Although people are genetically gifted, It's really their effort and willingness to fail over and over again that is what makes them great. Einstein once said, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer. Thomas Edison's teacher said when he was growing up that he was too stupid to learn anything. And it was once said that he failed a thousand times before he was able to invent a light bulb. Michael Jordan said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. The growth mindset is the idea that failure is not the end result, but instead it's an opportunity to grow. The growth mindset while being around for a long time is an idea coined by Carol Dwick in her book Mindset. And what she talks about is that talent is not necessarily fixed, but it blossoms with hard work and effort. So it's not necessarily those who are the most genetically gifted and those who start out first that end up the most successful. She also talks about how problems and failures are not obstacles, but instead opportunities for growth and improvement. Also, effort matters much more than success. We should also continue working. There's an idea by Simon Sinek, who is a public speaker and influencer, who talks about playing the infinite game, which is the idea that there's never really an end point to us growing and improving. Many times we see, whether it's a test, whether it's a patient case, as the final end-all be-all, And what we don't realize is that we're always continuing to grow and improve. And even after that result, after that failure or success, we will continue to live and continue to move on. So everything we do that allows us to learn and allows us to adapt will continue to improve us moving forward. 
So this idea kind of centers around the fact that while we might see a, a game or a test or a patient case as the end result, and we often see it as a pass or a fail or success or a challenge, if we continue to learn from what we do over and over again, we really continue to grow and have opportunities for us to succeed in the future. So that's the idea of the growth mindset. Again, it's it's from a book called Mindset by Carol Dwick. It's a fantastic book if you have time to read it. But we felt it was important enough for leaders today as medical leaders to have this idea introduced as it's so influential to what we're going to be doing as physicians and physicians in training. So I think before moving forward, you've talked a lot about what a growth mindset is. Just as a contrast, maybe you could describe for our listeners what a fixed mindset is and why this could potentially be detrimental to a leader in any capacity. Yeah, definitely. So so the opposite of having a growth mindset is having a fixed mindset. So with a fixed mindset, you're someone who believes that talent is very innate and that failure is a problem with yourself. Oftentimes when we're growing up, you know, we we either decide we're not good at something or we're not skilled enough to do a task. So you'll often hear, I'm not good at math or I'm not athletic. And with a fixed mindset, that's becomes true because you don't put yourself in those situations to continue to improve. When you have a fixed mindset, when you make mistakes, it changes the fact that you failed in that situation into I'm a failure. So if you get a math problem wrong when you're growing up and developing, you begin to see yourself as not being good at math. Instead of with a growth mindset, realizing that Although you're not good at math, if you continue to improve, you can be someone who is successful and who is good at math. Also with the fixed mindset, creativity is stifled. So often with creativity, you have to fail over and over again in order to achieve greatness and achieve great results. You can think about medical research, which we'll talk about later. Experiments are meant to be tested and meant to be failed. And if you don't allow yourself the ability to fail, you're never going to improve and move forward and be able to advance science or advance your creative arts as well. Also with a growth mindset with a fixed mindset, you fear new things because you're not good at them. So whenever somebody starts something new, they're usually not good at it, whether it's in medicine and you're going into surgery and you don't know how to tie a knot or a suture, you're not gonna be good at it when you start. Whether it's a subject you struggle with in school biochemistry I know is tough, pharmacology, if you're not good at these things and you continue to push them away, you're never going to improve and you're never going to grow. What you need to do is instead is realize that that's an opportunity to improve and to grow and lean into those things that are difficult and that are hard. The last thing I want to mention with a fixed mindset is that if you believe in a fixed mindset, you're not allowed to improve on your weaknesses because they are fixed. So you're that person who believes I'm never going to be good at math or I'm never going to be good at this. So you're never able to put in the effort. You never try because you think it's something that you can't change. It seems like a really powerful idea and something that kind of really like, it starts from like the core, uh, the core of who you are and who you like want to be. Yeah, and I think it starts early in development too. 
whether you know it's it's growing up and and hearing these things people are telling you that you're not good at this and that and then you get trained into this fixed mindset or you have those around you encouraging you to try new things and to um, see failures as opportunities and I think it's an important thing because many students aren't taught this growing up and then you get to school you get to medical school or a physician and you do see failures as these as this end-all be-all and you, you don't allow yourself to see them as opportunities. And I think you were touching on a lot of things that are directly related to medical school like you talked about struggling with a, a specific subject and in, in a medical school you're exposed to a very wide variety of subjects and you're not going to be good at everything. I know I'm not good at all the subjects uh, so it's about you're going to be challenged academically and it's about, you know, sitting with them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, definitely. And even leaning into them, because we often shy away from things that we're not good at. And then they stay things that we're not good at. And if you really want to be well-rounded, you really want to succeed, you have to spend more time and lean into the things that you struggle with. So the next topic we wanted to talk about is specifically how this affects us as physicians in training. So I'm going to send that to you, Peter. Why do you think a growth mindset affects us as physicians in training, and how can we use it to improve? So beyond the challenge of the classroom that that medical school faces, um, which I think is kind of just a very, it's a very surface level challenge. Um, There's a lot of, of other challenges, whether they be professional or interpersonal challenges that you face in medical school. Um, I think having a growth mindset can help you flourish in a number of ways beyond becoming academically successful. Something that everyone kind of is known either from, you know, TV, whether it be Grey's Anatomy or, or Bones or whatever you watch, um, is that the Socratic method, or as people call it, pimping, is part of uh, the training culture. And, and sometimes, depending on your preceptor or mentor, it can come across as very condescending or very like aggressive and you could be afraid to get something wrong but nine times out of ten it's because they they're trying to teach you a lesson and there's a very good reason for why they're asking what they're asking but you know sometimes they're they are just being <laughs> less than uh less than a good mentor um yeah i have a funny story about pimping and and it's it's slightly embarrassing but i'm gonna tell it anyways so so it's probably my second month in medical school. Yeah, probably second because we were in MSK. And I was shadowing in the hospital in the ER. And obviously, second month of medical school, didn't know what I was doing, wearing my white coat, but didn't know much at all. And so I was talking to this one physician and kind of getting passed around between a couple physicians who were pretty busy. Some were not busy. They were trying to match me up with somebody. And this physician says that I can come hang out with him and learn from him. And the first thing he does is he tells me to go in and do a neuro exam on this patient. And <laughs> I'm, I'm a second-month second medical student. I barely know what a neuro exam is. And so I go in and try to do like my best of what I think would be a neuro exam. And I recognize that... You know, the patient had left-sided weakness in uh, their upper extremity, and they had wrist drop, and had some other symptoms that, 
and I was extremely nervous. And so I'm I'm going back to the attending, and you know he asked me what's what's so what's wrong? Like what's your diagnosis? And I'm like, and I'm sweating. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and so we're in MSK, and so I'm thinking to myself, okay, wrist dropped, left sided. He's got radial nerve damage, something like that. So that's what I tell him. And he starts laughing, and he, and he, he was like, so what unit are you in? And I was like, I'm an MSK. And he's like, well, that would be true, but, and then he named, like, five other symptoms. And the patient had had a stroke, and so I didn't recognize that they had, like, left leg weakness, too, because I was doing my um, made-up neuro, neuro exam. Your made-up neuro exam. My, <laughs> the, be- the best that I could do, the best that I knew at that time. But then he continued to push, and he said, okay, what artery in the brain is injured, was injured? And I had never had, like, I had not had neuro at this time, so I'm clueless. So I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And so I tell him I don't know, and then we get to talking, and, and he tells me middle cerebral artery, and then he quizzed me on a couple other things, and I just felt, like, so stupid. I was like, wow, like, like he just made me feel so dumb. Like, I was so beat down. And, but then I realized, you know, I will probably never forget, you know, middle cerebral artery, artery of stroke, you know, one-sided weakness, uh, all the stroke signs, things like that because of that situation. Well, and, and probably you, what well, we just had neuro a couple months ago, you were thinking about this case the whole time and drawing connections. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you, you know, you think that that encounter with that physician was the end-all be-all and you're so embarrassed but I, I'll probably never see that that attending again but I was able to learn something and it's something I'll probably never forget moving forward because that happened and helped me on our neuro unit and it's something I like just won't forget now. I think what you're touching on is like there's a way that that pimping can be done and pimping done right leaves you know the student or the mentee with something valuable for the future. And now, and now you'll be able to recognize that in a future patient and probably, if not save their life, definitely help, help get them the treatment that they need. Yeah, and I think in a student's point of view as well too, you know, just allowing yourself to say, I don't know, and to say, you know, I'm not sure about this, and recognizing that, yes, you might not have the answer here, but even testing yourself and even um, not having the answer or failing, quote-unquote, then, is going to allow you to remember so much better the next time. Exactly. And I, I think in the grand scheme of things, not knowing the answer to your clinical preceptor's questions is one of the more minor things you can get wrong or fail at. And there are a lot of, as I said earlier, there are a lot of things in medical school beyond just the classroom that really challenge you. And having a fixed mindset, you might learn, or you might miss these, these valuable learning opportunities that come once in a lifetime. And one that I thought of was, uh, your first patient death, the first time you lose a patient, it can be a very valuable learning experience of how to deliver bad news or how to, I guess, come to terms with, with death itself. And, you know, if you're too focused on, on the failure or it, if you feel like you failed, then you're going to miss this chance. Whether or not it's your fault, I think there's a lot of learning opportunities there that if you have a growth mindset, you can take advantage of and improve yourself, improve your clinical capabilities Whereas having a fixed mindset, you will miss this opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I, I even think a, a growth mindset greatly plays into like quality improvement work as well. Because I think often if you see 
you know, patient cases gone wrong and you think that's the end-all be-all and you try to hide that mistake, there's no opportunity to improve and to prevent that from happening again. Whereas instead, if you have a growth mindset and you see a patient mistake or um, something that was missed as an opportunity to do a QI project or to work on how to make sure that that doesn't happen again, you're really using that growth mindset and using it as an opportunity instead of a failure. And I think that's what quality improvement is all about, and I think that's huge for safety moving forward, and that's how, as a medical system, we're going to continue to improve and continue to make hospitals and make healthcare safer for our patients. Yeah, it's definitely uh, very, I think it kind of underlies QI, as you said. I would agree with that. Um, well, Peter, do you have any other personal stories from your training so far? I know you've done a lot of research work and been a leader in some organizations. How has a growth mindset been able to help you improve so far? Yeah, so I think from the very beginning, I kind of I came in very gung-ho. Um, just as an aside, one of my anatomy lab members first impression of me was quote whoa this guy um but i think i've i've kind of leveled out since then um and i i was running for a lot of positions and one that i was really excited about that i was running for was our class rep for the ama the american medical association so for people who aren't familiar every school has a chapter of the ama and they all write policy and i was really excited about getting involved at in, with with policy writing and trying to enact like effective effective change at a you know national level and and kind of guide thought in the medical field and how to address the things I was passionate about at the time and being the M1 rep for that would have been cool because I would have been able to go to the national conference I would have been really involved in guiding policy writing at the school and helping other people with their policies but I ended up not getting the position and I was a little bit bummed about it which is definitely understandable, I think, when you want something really bad and, and you don't succeed how you want to. It For everybody, it's hard. But, yeah, and I think this is actually one of the best things that uh, happened to me in medical school. Because um, I've then I've seen, like, I know the person who has the position now, and it seems like a really big job, and I probably wouldn't have had a lot of time to do the other things that I did. So after I lost, I... I really reflected on like what was it about the AMA that was attractive, and one of the things was that it was a national organization. Um, but I also realized the AMA doesn't really cover all my passions. It's not a research organization. They don't really advocate too strongly for physician scientists, so I instead uh, looked for other national groups and found the American Physician Scientists Association, a student-initiated national organization that started in 2015. And my, our school didn't have one, so I ended up uh, starting that chapter, became president. And I still get to do a lot of the same advocacy work, but with a lens that's more in line with my own career path and, and career interests. Yeah, definitely. And it's often those times where we don't get what we want or where we believe we fail that kind of spur us into uh, what really matters or what allows us to improve and, and is really great for us. And I think that's a great example of that. And I think there are other things that happen after you fail. Like like the whole experience of starting a student org at our school, it also led me to kind of see the value for student life 
and then eventually run and win an executive senate position where I oversee all of student life now. So new initiatives come through me and I help organize different initiatives and get the word out for for student orgs who want to throw events for the students and enrich our community. So in a way, I, I got I got two very, I guess, impactful or enriching experiences out of out of this failure. And I learned a lot about like like leadership skills that I wouldn't have had in the in the AMA position I was running for, like having to have a vision for an organization. Um, you know, as as president of the APSA, I have to like figure out exactly what it is I want to bring and uh, to enrich the student body at our school, which itself is a challenge. I find it, I find it especially exciting because it's something that I love. Yeah, I, I think also, so you ran for this position and you weren't able to get it. I'm guessing you probably reflected shortly after about why you didn't receive that position. And if you really think about it, I bet those reflections and, and thinking about how you presented yourself and what you displayed about yourself and then using that as you were applying for these other positions, I bet that also helps you gain those new positions. So not only just not getting the opportunity you were able to do other things, but how you reflected and how you used that failure, quote unquote, as an opportunity to improve yourself and how you display yourself, I'm sure was influential in you receiving the other positions. Oh, absolutely. And notice how I didn't call it a failure. Yeah. It was, I would think, I think of it more as a missed opportunity because I think that position itself would have had other uh, valuable experiences along with it. So I, I didn't see it as a failure and I didn't take it as a personal attack on me because I know that it was a competitive position and that, you know, the person who's doing it now is fantastic. They're doing a really great job at our AMA chapter. It definitely helped me realize that, like, I liked some aspects of it, but not the whole thing. So it, it, it taught me lessons, and it also helped me kind of reflect on what it is I want to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I think I think if I had kind of been in that quote-unquote fixed mindset mode, I, I probably would have been very disheartened by, by it, and uh, maybe not have been motivated to start my own organization or run for a Senate position. Yeah, I definitely agree. What about you? Did you have anything that you wanted to bring up from the, the last year that we've, uh, that we've had? Ooh, that's a good question. So I think one of the... Or are you too perfect? <laughs> I'm, definitely <not> too, <laughs> I'm definitely not too perfect. I know I mentioned a couple things so far. I think one of the biggest things uh, for me was trying to approach each exam with a growth mindset and exam scores. As mo- most of you guys know, the first two years of medical school are basically gearing you up for step one. And you do have to take exams all throughout to take your system exams, whatever your medical school curriculum is. But all in all, most of it is preparing you for step one. So especially for our medical school where it's pass or fail, it doesn't matter as much what you're individually scoring on those exams as long as you continue to progress and continue to improve for step one. So I've just been trying throughout the year to use my exam grades not as I passed or I failed, but instead, am I tracking, am I improving, and what study skills did I use to to improve on these scores throughout the year? So using it almost as a guide of how well I'm preparing and how well my work is, my work ethic is, instead of just I passed or I failed. And that's been a huge thing for me, trying to progress and trying to not use individual tests as the end point, but instead focus on the big picture 
and focus on always improving as I work towards taking the step exams. And how's that been going for you? Have you seen a noticeable improvement? Yeah, I, I've continued to you know improve throughout the year, and and I think this has allowed me to recognize that my scores are not necessarily a representation of me, but on my strategies and my study skills that I'm using. And so if you use them as a progression, you're allowed to kind of test what works for you study skills wise, and then kind of hone in what your method is and what allows you to score the highest. And those are all really good points because um, the first years of medical school aren't a sprint, although they can feel like it sometimes or more of a marathon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's a long process and you have to continue to work. But I think if you're not getting on yourself too hard about individual every single score and focusing on big picture then you allow yourself to continue to improve i think doing what you're saying and and reflecting on your exams and using them as a way to gauge your habits will make you better off for when you start your clinical years or what your next steps because you'll be able to reflect on things beyond just your studies yeah yeah definitely no like if you you know, don't know something in the hospital, or if you make a mistake, you can reflect on how that happened, and then just make sure it doesn't happen again, using it as a way to improve. I know another thing that, that you're extremely passionate about is research. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. for a quick minute about how a growth mindset plays into uh, medical research, and what you've done so far as in that field? Yeah, so I think research, to be in research, you have to have a growth mindset. Um, you know, for every successful experiment that you read about, there's probably ten to a hundred unsuccessful attempts, and it's it's honestly just taxing sometimes. Like I know when I was an undergraduate, I was not the best uh, student in the lab. I <laughs> I had heard from my boss after I left, or not after I left, but like as I was on my way out to my master's program. Um, that he almost fired me when I was first starting out. <laughs> and, uh, but he said that I, I had like adopted a lot of really good habits and I learned some pretty valuable skills and he gave me a second chance, et cetera, et cetera. And I hadn't known any of this. I just kind of, I don't know, at the time I kind of felt like I, I didn't realize I was failing. So I guess it's a different, it's a slightly different example. Um, okay. But reflecting on it, I, I definitely learned a lot from my undergraduate research experience on how to do research. And I was, it, it compounded and I was pretty productive as a master's student. And then also uh, I've been pretty productive lately in medical school. So it's letting, it's letting me stay involved and balance my time because that's another skill that you have to learn, especially as a, as a student doing research is you have, you're, you're essentially putting more um, expectations on yourself not just to do well in your classes, but also to perform in the lab. So it's that itself takes takes a little bit of failure and growth to figure out where you where, where you can balance that and how you personally can address that balance. Yeah, definitely. Another thing we wanted to talk about today was how a growth mindset affects leadership. So in this podcast, we're all about improving so that we can help lead others in the healthcare setting. So specifically, Peter, with leadership, how do you think a growth mindset works to make us better leaders and allow us to lead a team more effectively? 
I think the best way to answer this question is to highlight what a fixed mindset person would do when they're building a team. There's two two points I want to talk about. One is is when you're building your team, and the other is when you're gonna when you fail as a leader. So someone with a fixed mindset when they're building their team might try to build a team and surround themselves with people that make them feel good about themselves. You know, people that maybe feed their egos or or they don't think are as smart as them or what have you. And ultimately, this doesn't produce an effective team because an effective team, and we'll talk about this in another episode, is a diverse team with people from a lot of different backgrounds of thought or perspective um, or skills and, you know, skills that you might not have. And having a fixed mindset might make you feel threatened by people who have valuable skills that you don't know how to do. In the words of Confucius, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I think this uh, highlights kind of, at the time, you, you don't want to be the person who's best at everything. You want having your flaws leaves room to bring in other help. And that's ultimately how I think good team building begins. And I think also if you bring other people in who are more intelligent and you have a growth mindset, it allows you to grow as well. Exactly. And that's something you don't get if you think you're the smartest person in the room or if you build your team so that you know, you're best at everything. You right. don't grow, you don't improve. And, and leader is not always synonymous with genius. So I think the, the skills that a good leader has, I, I don't think that the number one skill would be, say, quote-unquote intelligence. I think it would be, there are other things that you need to do as have, to be an effective leader. So having, having really smart people on your team shouldn't threaten you. And I think that's where having a growth mindset comes in, just as you alluded to, is say you have someone who has skills that you don't have, you might pick up a couple things from them. And then that will help you expand your own perspective. Um, and the other, so the other point that I wanted to talk about is is when you fail, because we're all we're all human. No one's perfect, and this can happen for any any number of reasons, including like overloading yourself, which I know I'm way too guilty of sometimes. Um, or it could just be like a slip of your mind, or you just don't perform on that day. There are a lot of reasons why you fail, and and I think having a growth mindset allows you to fail gracefully in that you you can have the integrity to take uh, responsibility for the failure and learn from it and then also tell your team like hey I failed um, this is what we need to do as a group together right less than it's it's less of like this is what I need to do now um, or this is what I did so what it's more of like here's what I'm trying to do and I want you guys to keep me accountable it's bringing them in to helping you also grow. Yeah, I think that's super important because if I was someone who, with a fixed mindset who was leading a team and I did make a mistake, I would feel like I wouldn't want to take responsibility for that. And there'd be more of a propensity to shift it to someone else or to shove it under the table and forget about it. Whereas if you have a growth mindset and you recognize that it's mm -hmm. okay to make a mistake as long as you're improving and you're moving forward, then you're willing to accept that mistake. And I think that helps build a team because it, it allows others to respect you more. And it makes them want to... I would, I would respect someone a lot more if they were willing to admit their mistakes and continue to improve rather than just try to push something under the table or shift the blame to somebody else. Exactly. And I think, if, I think the other thing that we didn't really touch on this episode is that if you have a growth mindset and you're part of a team, do you then foster other people to have a growth mindset? 
Because if that's the case, when you have these big blundering mistakes and you know the, the type of mistakes that aren't just like one person fails, it's it's more of just like a systematic failure, which are kind of the mistakes that we see in, at a larger healthcare scale. Then if you have a team of people with a growth mindset, I think people are more inclined to figure out what was the root of the problem rather than who was the cause of the problem. And that's how you move forward. Yeah, definitely. I think that really sh- that goes from the leadership down. I think it goes when you hire a team, mm-hmm. but then also once you're working with a team, if the person leading is allowed to fail and, and they recognize that they make mistakes, it opens up the door for other people to do that as well. And you're not afraid of, of making a mistake to where you would want to hide it, but instead you're okay with recognizing that you made a mistake and you're allowed to admit that to the person in leadership and continue mm-hmm. working towards improving. So I think it's all begs the question, how do you know if you have a growth mindset? This is something that Carol Dweck talked a lot about in her book, is that we all have a little bit of a growth mindset and we all have some fixed mindset. And in different scenarios, each one of those comes out. And our job is to recognize that and to try to train whatever scenario leads us to a fixed mindset towards a growth mindset. So for example, you know, everybody has different roles in their life. For me, I'm a medical student, um, but I also am a part of a family. I'm also, I do CrossFit. I also teach. And so in different scenarios, they might lend themselves to me to shifting to more of a fixed mindset. So for example, if I'm in the gym and I miss a, a lift or I do poorly on a workout, I might immediately think, you know, I failed, I might get down on myself. And those are the situations where you want to recognize that, okay, I'm, I, that's a fixed mindset. I'm using a fixed mindset. How can I now transition and see this in a growth perspective? And so recognizing that different scenarios might lend themselves to a fixed or a growth mindset and seeing when you choose a fixed mindset and working to train yourself towards a growth mindset instead. So I would then use that that same scenario and recognize that if I'm missing this specific lift or I'm doing poorly on this type of workout, I can then lean into that weakness or that failure. And that's how I'm actually going to be able to improve on that. And if I shy away from it and if I don't do it because I'm not good at it, I'm never going to improve and I'm never going to be successful in that area. So I think that's the real power of a growth mindset is that it, it provides you really the opportunity to learn um, even even on like things that are more interpersonal than say just a, than the lift, uh, like the opportunity to learn from others and improve yourself and, and find the things that you can do to improve yourself. It's almost like an inner narrative that we tell ourselves, like, like it is a growth mindset and it is in our head. Mm-hmm. So are we going to, is our inner narrative going to be that? we failed then we can't improve or is our inner narrative going to be that we're not the best at this right now but if we lean into it and we really try to improve in that area that can become a strength instead so caleb what can we do to work towards a growth mindset yeah so to finish off today's episode we wanted to give you guys three things to really think about and ponder moving forward to try to work each of us towards being more growth oriented instead of fixed oriented so number one 
is working to see obstacles as opportunities for growth. So this is something we talked about all throughout this episode is that obstacles or failures or things that we think are mistakes can really be opportunities for improvement, opportunities to get better and to uh, reach our goals and work towards those goals. Number two is to never see failure as an attack on yourself. If you fail a test, if you have a bad interaction with a patient, if you make a mistake, it's not an attack on you and your personal self. It's instead saying that you didn't prepare adequately and you didn't put in the work and the effort to be successful in that scenario. And then you just go to, how can I do that moving forward to be successful in the future? And then the last point we wanted to leave you with was recognizing that you have both mindsets and training yourself towards growth. There are situations that might lend themselves to you thinking in a fixed mindset, seeing those situations, and then working towards training yourself to improve and grow from those situations instead of using a fixed mindset. From this episode and equipped with a growth mindset, we hope that you will all learn to thrive on challenges. We hope that you will all learn from your mistakes moving forward. As a physician, we hope this will allow you to learn from peers and mentors who know more than you instead of feeling threatened by them. And as a leader, we hope this will allow you to fail gracefully and to build effective teams with others who are intelligent and allow those teams to make mistakes, but to ultimately work towards improvement and work towards growth even in times of mistakes. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Leading the Rounds. As always, you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Leading the Rounds, or email us at leadingtherounds at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.